1: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour Two.
0: Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the Fruited Plain. The phone number 877 7425 Really glad to have you with me today. We gotta move into, well, the politics of the time. Uh there's there's we spent a lot of time on on the the tragic situation. I just out of the gate though. I want to say it again. Um, I I feel bad myself. I guess this is a confession of, of um, I feel bad having to d- dive into the politics of the matter with Lake and Riley because the reality is that this is somebody's daughter, somebody's granddaughter, somebody's niece, somebody's friend. She's dead and they don't see or need to see or be dragged through the politics of it. They have someone to mourn, someone uh, they're sad about losing. And I just, I've always thought it was just crass to rush to the politics of it. And there are now several days past, but still, I, I don't like doing it. Uh, but you can't help but see the policy failures that, that led to the situation. It's just, it's so sad. And while we do talk about the politics of it, and while we do talk about the policies, I I just do want to remind you that this is someone's daughter. And that matters more than the politics. That matters more than the policies. It it actually matters more that you remember uh, this girl as someone's daughter and her parents are mourning that loss. I cannot imagine what it must be like to get that phone call. And we should not, in talking about the politics and the policies, we should not forget the humanity. We should not forget the family. And if you're the praying sort, perhaps you should pray for her family. It's just sad. And my gosh, I hate these, these sorts of stories. You know, I've, I've got a daughter who's going off to college next year. Um, she's staying close to home. Um, we're making her move into the dorms, but yeah, I mean, these sorts of stories just, I mean, think about my kids and I wouldn't want them used as a political weapon or a political prop for other people. if Something happened to them. Um, and so I, 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 get that and want to acknowledge that. And, acknowledge to some degree my own level of hypocrisy or failure for having to talk about the the politics and policy when a family just wants to mourn their daughter and we should allow them to do that now we we got to talk about South Carolina I Democrats are rather giddy about what happened to Donald Trump in South Carolina because he won but did not win as big as a lot of the late polls showed he would I would tell you what I tell Democrats what I've said all along is, please focus on the polling averages. Don't focus on the individual polls. The polling averages are vastly different from the individual polls. The polling averages do a better job. So for example, uh, Donald Trump's real clear politics polling average had him winning South Carolina with 23.3% of the vote. Instead, he won with 20.3% of the vote. What is notable, there are a couple of things. One and the chief one is that in 2016 and 2020 pretty consistently, Donald Trump overperformed the polling average. And in 2024 thus far, the primaries has underperformed the polling average typically. So for example, uh, the real clear politics polling average had Donald Trump winning the Iowa caucus with 33.7. He actually won with 29.7 uh then in New Hampshire the real clear politics polling average had him winning 19.3 percent he actually won 11.2 percent in South Carolina it had him winning 23.3 percent he actually won it with 20.3 percent so uh you, you, he's underperforming for the first time and Democrats are very giddy about this Democrats are very giddy that Donald Trump is averaging about 42 percent roughly of, of the voter or 40 percent. In 2016, I would point out to Democrats, in 2016, Donald Trump got fewer votes cast than any Republican nominee since modern uh, primary processes began with Gerald Ford in 1976, and yet he still beat Hillary Clinton. I don't think Democrats or anti-Trump Republicans should look at his performance in the primaries in 2024. And extrapolate from that what's going to happen in the general election. Because were you to have done that in 2016, you would have concluded, as I did, which is why I'm saying don't do it, uh, you would have concluded that uh, Donald Trump would lose in 2016, and he did not. He won. Am I like the only person to have gone through 2016 and thought, gosh, I screwed this up. i got to figure out what's going on because I'm seeing so many people fall into the same patterns that they did in 2016, including a lot of Republicans who hate Donald Trump. They won't vote for Donald Trump, and they've concluded that because they won't vote for Donald Trump and they know other people who won't vote for Donald Trump. Clearly, there are enough people who won't vote for Donald Trump. Therefore, he's going to lose. I don't know that you can do that, particularly when he's so decisively ahead of Joe Biden in so much polling. There are warning signs for the GOP. Donald Trump lost Beaufort County in South Carolina. Now, that may seem like nothing to you. Um, I'm not on the radio in Buford County, but I have this massive live stream audience in Hilton Head that listens every day online, and that's Buford County. It's very military, Buford County is. A lot of retired Republicans, a lot of military, and Donald Trump should not have lost Buford County, but he did to Nikki Haley. That's a warning sign. He also lost the, the suburbs of Charleston to Nikki Haley. He lost the Columbia area to Nikki Haley. Um, those things really do matter. Now, you can, you can be dismissive of it, but you shouldn't be dismissive of it Because where Nikki Haley won in New Hampshire and in Iowa and in South Carolina, more so because of the caucuses, uh, look at New Hampshire and South Carolina, the counties that Nikki Haley put up and won are the counties that the GOP normally does okay in. And the fact that Nikki Haley beat Donald Trump there does suggest some level of vulnerability in the general election. So Nikki Haley won uh, Richland County. 57%, Fifty-seven percent. That's the Columbia area. She won Beaufort County. That's Hilton Head. She won that fifty-five um, percent, and she won Charleston up down the coast. She won Charleston sixty-one thirty-seven. Now Charleston is more Democrat. Now before you say, but Mister Erickson, it was all the Democrats. She won all the Democrats. Seventy percent of the voters who voted were registered Republicans. So she certainly benefited by having crossover vote, but you can't just say she only won the Democrats because that's not true. And the big red flag is Beaufort County, South Carolina. That's highly Republican County there. Uh, It is, it's the Hilton head area. It's military, it's retirees, uh, it's the Marines and Trump lost it. However, that extrapolation only goes so far. Because in 2016, Donald Trump didn't do very well in in suburban areas, and he still beat Hillary Clinton. And the issue is going to be the fundamental personalities of 2024. Trump and Biden, you Republicans uh, and Democrats both may hate me for saying this, but like on entitlements and things like that, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are not that far removed. Um, Both are more protectionist than Nikki Haley. Uh, Both are more in favor of bringing back uh, re-importation of domestic trade and manufacturing than Haley. Neither of them want to fix entitlements. They they want to protect entitlements, things like that. Uh, And the big, big differences between the two are going to be on personality. The warning signs for Republicans are that, yeah, Trump is showing even in the primaries weakness among a set of Republican voters. He may not be able to get back, and they will matter in the general election, particularly in suburban areas. But the warning sign for the Democrats is that the, the pattern that's shaping up for Trump and all the warning signs is an echo of 2016, and he beat Hillary Clinton despite those things. There's this real level of confidence among those who hate Donald Trump that he can't win in 2024. And I may not care for the guy, but I see a clear path to victory for Donald Trump in 2024 that his critics on the right and the left just refuse to want to acknowledge. Do I think that he is the underdog? Yeah, despite all the media narrative that that as an incumbent of such unfavorable uh, popularity, Joe Biden is the underdog and, and Trump has all the advantages. I don't think that's the case because incumbency has advantages and money has advantages. And Joe Biden is the incumbent with a lot more money than Donald Trump. And so I do suspect that states like Nevada and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan, that they will all trend ultimately to Joe Biden. But I also think Donald Trump has some real advantages, and they shouldn't be underestimated by anybody. Here's the thing. If let's take the swing states right now. The swing states right now are Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. I think Donald Trump wins Georgia. I think Donald Trump wins Georgia because of Lakin and Riley, frankly. I think that the ramifications and the reverberations of her death and the failures of the border and progressive policies are going to impact the voter conscience in Georgia, and it gives Donald Trump an advantage but right now the Democrats are in charge of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. They have a lot more money to spend. And if Joe Biden wins those forget Nevada, forget Arizona, forget Georgia, that's 270 votes right there in the electoral college. And that's all Joe Biden needs. So I still think the electoral college map to some degree gives Joe Biden an advantage. But if I was a Democrat, I wouldn't be confident because in the state polling that's coming out in Michigan, Donald Trump is still winning. Donald Trump is winning Michigan right now. If Donald Trump does pick up Georgia and Michigan, that's 266 electoral college votes. He only needs four more to win, and he can get them in Nevada. He'd come out with 272. He can get them in in Arizona, 283. If he also goes to Nevada, who cares about Pennsylvania? There's a path for Donald Trump that you just – the Democrats are – getting too confident that he's so radioactive that nobody they know likes him. There's just no way forward for him to win. And when you're in a bubble, that is the case. When you're in a bubble, you become convinced that there's no way the other guy can win. John Heileman was on uh, MSNBC. Where's the audio? I want to play this. John Heileman is a progressive talking head, supposedly objective reporter. He's not, he's a liberal. He's on MSNBC. Listen to this conversation. Being uh, correctly think about uh, what are the concerns that the Biden campaign has going into a general election against Donald Trump. It's the it's not so much these head to head polls. It's that they've seen their support among certain core constituencies slip, including non white voters dramatically. And 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 at the core of that is is a lot of black voters. And the Biden campaign comes back and says, Hey, wait until the yeah. the race is clear is clear clear that Donald Trump is the nominee. When we get to the fall. And it's this binary choice between the two, the African-American community in America is going to remember that Donald Trump is an existential threat, and they are going to come home to us. How exactly is Donald Trump an existential threat to the black community when it is the Democratic policies that have increased crime in their communities and decreased job opportunities in their communities? And the polling shows this shift to Donald Trump, not necessarily to the GOP the democratic talking heads can get on television all they want and claim that um it, black voters are locked in for the democrats still but if you paid attention to what happened to donald trump in 2016 2020 uh it, it now headed into 2024 with the polling there's a clear shift to donald trump in non-white communities and it has to do with crime it has to do with immigration it has to do with jobs that the democrats are taking these voters for granted is just another sign they've got problems i would not be so certain if I was a Democrat, that Trump can't win in November. In fact, as someone who doesn't care for Trump and does think he's the underdog because of Joe Biden's money and incumbency advantages, I still see a very clear path for Donald Trump in 2024, one that I didn't see for him in 2020. And the biggest path forward for Donald Trump is Joe Biden because the more Joe Biden gets out there and exposes himself, the more voters realize this guy is unfit to be president. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, you are more than happy to call in as long as you're on topic today. Y'all, I I just punchline story here. Next Tuesday and Wednesday, your host will be missing... And your prayers are appreciated. I have to chaperone a group of 8th and ninth graders through Washington, D.C. Now, the punchline to all of this is that we're expecting a government shutdown on Monday. <laughs> so everything's going to be closed. Uh, or You know how the Democrats operate in a government shutdown. They shut down all the parks. They shut down the museums. They shut everything down. So we're not going to be able to go see anything if they operate by standard procedure. We won't be able to get into the monuments even. They'll they'll block that. Um, it could be a miserable, I mean, it's going to be a miserable experience. Anyway, let, let's be honest here. It's a bunch of eighth and ninth grades on a bus trip to D.C. Now, that being said, I'm also your host, and and I do have security issues when I go to D.C., so I get to stay at a nicer hotel, and my kid and I are flying. We're not going to take the bus trip i got to be up there. I'll do my show from Washington on Monday, and then we're on like a 6 a.m. flight back to Atlanta on Thursday. So I'll be in studio doing my show next Thursday. Uh, but on Tuesday and Wednesday, it is nonstop, uh, minute-by-minute, programmed like 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day there's programming. I'm trying to see if the Speaker of the House will say hey to the kids on Wednesday when we tour the Capitol. But he may be tied up with government shutdown negotiations. I have no idea. What a a crazy, crazy, crazy thing in timing that it's going to be. My goodness gracious. Um, (laughs) Prayers are appreciated. Um, Oh, at least I get a nice hotel. Folks, so many people I know are disheartened that the country seems to have forgotten the importance of citizenship. They wonder how a strong sense of citizenship might be revived. My friends at Hillsdale College have produced a free online course on the topic, American Citizenship and Its Decline. It's taught by historian Victor Davis Hanson. Yes, that Victor Davis Hanson. The course traces the history of citizenship. It explains how it's undermined in America today by open borders, by identity politics, by the administrative state, and by globalization. Americans taking the course get a deeper insight into the connection between citizenship and freedom, an insight they can share with their family members, their friends, their neighbors. Hillsdale's free online courses are an important component of Hillsdale's mission to reach and teach increasing millions of people on behalf of liberty and the American way of life. You don't actually have to go to Hillsdale like a monastery for the conservative mind. You can actually get their online courses and learn from the stewards of American constitutionalism at Hillsdale College. Sign up today for Hillsdale's free online course, American Citizenship and Its Decline. Go to ericforhillsdale.com today. That's eric, E-R-I-C-K, forhillsdale.com. Start your free course today at ericforhillsdale.com with Victor Davis Hanson, y'all. Hello and welcome, it is Eric Erickson here across the nation, the phone number 877-973-7425. I wanna go take a phone call real quick. Uh, Ava is calling welcome to the show how are you
2: I'm doing well thank you how are you great um, I just have a comment I am a resident of Oconee County Georgia right outside of Athens and I want to say that I'm absolutely heartbroken about this tragic death of this beautiful young woman and obviously. Um, the immigration is a huge problem, but there's, there's another problem, too. Crime in Athens, in general, is out of control, in my opinion. And my daughter, who is the same age as this young woman, was accosted at 11 o'clock in the morning on the streets at Athens going to lunch. Just not, non-provoked, nothing. In my opinion, the DA, Gonzalez, has been an epic failure and the citizens of Georgia, we have to do a better job protecting our children. This is just, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. And that's my, that's my comment.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, first of all, thanks for calling. And, and second, you know, I, I have a a number of friends whose kids at University of Georgia have been victims of crime in the last year or two. Uh, it, it really, crime there has really escalated. It used to be. Uh, when I was in college and law school, and, and even uh, going to, to football games and, and the like up there, you you didn't feel unsafe in the downtown area, the Broad Street area and stuff. And and now, I I know so many people who've been victims of crime there in just the last couple of years. And and my kid uh, wanted to go. She she looked at Georgia Tech. She really wanted to go to Tech. She had some terrible experiences there. Decided not to. She started looking at the University of Georgia. But she knows so many kids from her school who are there now in college who have who feel unsafe. She decided she didn't want to go. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate she's decided to stay close to us and go to my alma mater. But at the same time, the, the stories she's heard had, were deterrents to her wanting to go uh, to the University of Georgia. She w- did not want to stay local. She she wanted to go somewhere. And, and UGA has fine engineering program. Uh, don't, don't shoot me, Georgia Tech people. Don't shoot me, but but they do. And it, it's it's an Athens has been a nice place, but this has been a choice of the voters there, particularly the white progressives who have m- m- turned it into a progressive enclave. They have voted for this, and unfortunately for people like Ava and, and her family in Oconee County, which is tied into that judicial circuit, um, they're dragged down by it. Uh, And the only thing that will change it really is the voters. The voters have got to change this. And the voters at athens Clark County, it should be a wake-up call for them that uh, their laxity in in wanting to have criminal enforcement, their promotion of of what they consider the intersectionally woke victims and the oppressed— well, uh, a girl is dead because of the policies that the people of Athens voted to put into place through the politicians they put in place. And that may be too crass or blunt for you, but it's the God's honest truth. The voters in Clark County are the ones who voted to put Deborah Gonzalez in place. The voters in Clark County are the ones who voted to put in place a mayor and county commission that have elevated sanctuary city status in defiance of state law. Uh, they're the ones who ultimately uh, did this. And sadly, it's someone else's uh, daughter a family that's not from there, that didn't vote for their policies, their daughter is dead because of those policies. They're paying the price for the voters. And too many college kids who show up at the University of Georgia who don't live there, who don't vote there, they pay the price and they're victims of crime. Uh, and that's, uh, that, that's real-world blunt talk for you people in Clark County. Y'all voted for these people who did this, y'all voted for these people who put these things in place, these policies. Y'all voted for the people who turned a blind eye and didn't enforce arrest warrants and uh, didn't prosecute the law and didn't aggressively crack down. Y'all voted for it. You have an opportunity this year to change your minds and vote otherwise. But it's ultimately on the voters who vote. We get the government we vote for. We get the government we vote for. And those of us who don't vote for it, well, we're stuck with the majority because as much as we say we're a republic, not a democracy, this is the democratic element of the American republic that the minority are stuck with the majority's vote decisions. And it's unfortunate. Now, this was not a story in my show prep, but it has hit the wires and I need to talk about it. The... Ongoing saga of Fawny Willis in Georgia, it's not looking so good for her, despite what progressives might tell you. I have a hard time believing that the judge is going to allow Fawny Willis to keep this case. In court today, attorneys for Donald Trump are calling it disingenuous for Fulton County prosecutors to protest their use of cell phone records in a push to oust Fawny Willis. Steve Sadow and Jennifer Little are lawyers for Donald Trump. They said, uh, cell phone evidence, which appears to show Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade making nearly three dozen visits to Fawny Willis's Hateville neighborhood in 2021 should be admitted into the record. They say the data undercuts testimony by Willis and Wade, who are leading the the prosecution of Donald Trump under under Rico. On Friday, the lawyers, if you're unfamiliar with this, they filed an affidavit by Charles Middlestadt. He's an investigator. He used an online analytics tool using cell phone tower transmissions and determined Nathan Wade's cell phone paid 35 visits to the Hapeville, Georgia area where Fawny Willis was living. That includes two times, September 11, 2021, and another November 29, 2021, when Wade's cell phone arrived in the area late in the evening, midnight, and left in the pre-dawn hours like 4.30 in the morning. Hours later, Fulton prosecutors filed a court motion contending the cell phone records are inadmissible on a number of procedural grounds. And they said even if they're allowed, they don't prove in any way the content of the communications between Willis and Wade, whether Wade was ever at a particular address or whether Willis or Wade had ever been in the same place during those times. Now, ironically, the January 6th prosecutors are prosecuting people based on their cell phone records. That's kind of hilarious. And I'm sorry... In my mind, when you have Nathan Wade's cell phone records show he was headed to somewhere in Hapeville, was staying there until 4.30 in the morning, and when he gets home, uh, sends text messages to Fawny Willis, that seems extremely plausible that he was with her. Why are you then texting her at 4.45 in the morning? Hmm? Sometime around there. Now, the left, and this is where I get to with the latest story. The left has loved that Fonny Willis was going to use Georgia's RICO statute to go after Donald Trump criminally. As I have told you, RICO is a very broad statute. RICO, the premise of RICO is that there is a criminal enterprise. And while a bunch of people may do separate unrelated acts if all of those acts are done to advance the criminal enterprise that they share in common, they can all be charged together and charged for engaging with each other's crimes. And they've loved it. The left has loved that this is how Willis is getting Donald Trump, that he may not have been involved in all these other things. But because the criminal enterprise was to get Donald Trump to overturn the election through any means possible, Well, they can catch Donald Trump for some idiot doing something stupid in South Georgia that was completely unrelated, but part of the criminal enterprise to overthrow the election. They loved it. Well, they hate RICO now. The New York Times has this big lament about RICO and the Stop Cop City movement. And they highlight the poor case of Timothy Billado, 26 years old. He's going to be charged under Rico. He's from Boston. You see outside of Atlanta, there's a police training facility they're building and the left has called it cop city and they want to stop it. This has not gotten a lot of national news except when it's sympathetic to the terrorists. See, there's a contractor who is building this police training facility. This facility is on some some property owned by the city of Atlanta in a neighboring county. And this facility that's going to be built is going to train police officers, emergency uh, technicians, EMT. It's going to train firefighters. And the left is all upset about it. After George Floyd, they got organized to stop it. For Timothy Bilodeau, 26 years old, who had flown in from Boston. The fight that began in 2021 has gained new urgency after state troopers killed a protester in a shootout in the forest weeks earlier that also wounded an officer. The Antifa protester shot a police officer. The police officers opened fire and killed the protester. On the day Mr. Bilodeau headed in, there was another fiery confrontation. A crowd marched to the development site where some protesters threw fireworks and Molotov cocktails, setting equipment ablaze. The police arrested nearly two dozen protesters, including Mr. Bilodeau. As Mr. Bilodeau saw it, he was taking a principled stand against the destruction of the forest. The prosecutors have charged him and 22 others with domestic terrorism, and all 42 people involved in the demonstrations against the police training facility have been charged under Georgia's domestic terrorism law making for one of the largest cases of its kind in the country on a charge that is rarely prosecuted. Not only that, they're charging them under RICO. Mr. billido a tech consultant, says it's chilling. It's a devastating threat to all people who are advocates or activists for the well-being of our planet or climate or communities. No, no, it's not. You people, have some of those people, firebombed a fire department. Others firebombed a child center because it was built by the same contractors building this. People have shown up in churches to harass the people who are the contractors building the police training facility. Now, Mr. Bilodeau may have been not a single one of those people, but he was involved in the overarching protest, and guess what? They're going to use RICO to tie them all together. Chris Carr is the attorney general in the state. He's pursuing uh, charges under the state's racketeering law. Mr. Bilodeau and 60 others are facing racketeering charges with prosecutors describing them as part of an anarchist, anti-policed and anti-business extremist organization that conspired to block the training facility. The first trial in the racketeering case could start in the coming weeks. Now, the New York Times and progressive publications, and by the way, there's a big story of the New York Times we got to get to here in a little bit. The New York Times and others have downplayed what these progressives have done. And maybe this particular guy was not involved. Doesn't appear he would have been in the timeline. But activists from Antifa, and you know, Antifa is a is not a centrally organized organization. And so when you say it's Antifa, they say, Oh, it's not Antifa. You just you see Antifa everywhere. Antifa's not a thing. All these groups and all these individuals operate through a very loose network with a common goal of stopping the construction of this facility. They have literally, some of these people, shown up in a church and harassed the church because employees of the construction company go to those churches. They have firebombed a fire department. They have firebombed a youth facility. They have firebombed corporate offices, all of them related to the contractor building. They have harassed. They have protested violently. They have fired shots at police officers. I have no sympathy for any of them. They claim to be victims. They claim that they're innocent. They claim they're just there to protest for the environment. They're peaceful protesters. If they're peaceful protesters, why do people keep getting firebombed? Why are police being shot at? Why have they booby-trapped the area? There's a story we'll get to about uh, how the progressive takeover of the New York Times, Uh, a lot of progressives are now in charge of editorial desks, and you see a clear sympathy in this story of the New York Times towards these domestic terrorists. How dare they charge them with domestic terrorism? How can they not? What they're really upset about is that Republicans, unlike Democrats, actually take law and order seriously and are cracking down on them. And they should. They absolutely need to. Uh, I have no sympathy for these people. They should all be thrown in jail. And good for the Attorney General of the state of Georgia for prosecuting them aggressively. Somebody needs to prosecute them aggressively. Somebody needs to shut this down. And that facility absolutely, fundamentally needs to be built maybe just maybe we finally can get it built. Now, some of you just want a computer built and you want to go to Vision Computers if you need a computer built. Now, here's the thing. Listen, there's one of you out there who has this concern that you have your macros set up on your computer just so. If y'all don't know what macros are, I'm not talking to you. But one of you out there right now, you need a new computer. And you're horrified that your computer is set up just so with your macros the way they are with your folders the way they are your files arranged on the desktop the way they are yeah your your windows system is set up precisely the way you wanted it It took you time to get it there and you need a new computer but by god you don't want to get a new computer because it mess it all up you should go to vision computers they can help you transfer everything over the way you've got it keep you set up the way you are so you don't miss any downtime you don't have to relearn and you don't have to reconfigure The rest of you, Vision Computers can build your laptops, your desktops, your gaming PCs, your workstations, your servers, whatever you need. And then they're your tech support. So if something's not working the way you want it to work or you have a question about something, you call Vision Computers and say, hey, I got a question about this, and Vision Computer takes care of it. My son the other day, he needed a USB-C connection, but he didn't know if his computer had a USB-C connection. And I told him. You tilt it forward, and you look, and you can find the port. My son did not do that. He called Vision Computer. They told him not only where the port was located on the back of his computer— But what it would power and everything, he was so set up, he called them. I'm like, kids, don't bother them. Just tilt your computer forward, look for the port. No, 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 he called them. But in less than 15 seconds, they not only had him on the way, they told him exactly where on the back of his machine the port would be for him to find because he's terrible at finding stuff. But nonetheless, I digress. They can do this for you, too, or for your business. VisionComputers.com or 404 Compute. Call Vision Computers at 404 Compute. Tell them I sent you, they'll save you even more money. 404 Compute, anywhere nationwide. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Y'all, time again, we have to talk about President Biden. He's done it again. I I don't know why the White House keeps letting him be in public. I mean, they have to. He's the president. Never helps him when he does. Um, Here, this is Joe Biden. From the White House,
3: I uh, I've spent a lot of time with Xi Jinping, someone whom I have a great deal of difference with. And I was uh, when I was vice president, president, uh, my 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 president was told me that he wanted me to get to know Xi Jinping because it was clear he was going to be the head of Russia of, of China, and he, we had we were having problems with Russia at the time and other countries as well. And uh, so what he said was get to know him he's gonna be there, I, and he couldn't because he was the president, he couldn't travel. So I traveled 17,000 miles with him throughout the country, our country, and and in, uh, in China as well. We're on the Tibetan Plateau, and he turned to me, and he said, can you define America for me? And I this has been documented, and it's real. I looked at him, I said, yes, I can, in one word. He looked at me, he said, what's that?
0: And I said, possibilities. 17,000 miles? No, you didn't. And the Democrats just say, well, it's a stutter, it's a stutter, it's a stutter. I, I, I think it's his mind, not a stutter, y'all.
1: 18 plus.